Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Wednesday, October 14th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. And on this week's Wildcard Wednesday show, we're digging into a recent IPO in Unity Software to get a better grip on the business and the opportunity for investors. Joining me today is our lead advisor for our Cloud Disruptor service, among other things. It's Mr. Tim Byers. Tim, how's it going? All right, Jason. How are you, man? Uh, doing great. Doing great. Thanks so much for taking the time to join this week. I, I know that... Uh, you know, you like all things tech and software, and, and given the nature of the service that you're running with Cloud Disruptors, uh, I've, I've been really excited to, to sit down and, and talk about this business with you because it, it has a lot of the elements uh, that we look for, certainly in Foolish Investments. And so hopefully, we'll be able to give a little bit of a better uh, idea uh, for listeners as to what the company does, uh, what what competitive advantages it may possess, uh, and you know, ultimately, is this is this an idea that uh, investors need to have on their radar? Uh, let's let's start first off here, just talking about actually what the company does. The Unity Software, um, I mean, they they operate a real time three D development platform, don't they? Right. And it is, so it's a series of tools and there's a whole bunch of tools here, Jason. And, um, you know, essentially they, they call them, they have two segments in their business called create solutions and operate solutions. It's the create solutions, the products, and there's, I think it's 15 or 18 different products for actually building out any kind of 3D interactive environment. So the best way to think about it, I I think, uh, uh, Jason, is like the stuff that used to be done in hardware. So say you were making a video game and you wanted to make it realistic and you were going to render like characters and how they walk around and how they interact with the environment. All that stuff used to be done basically what we would call physics processing. And there were really specialized environments, real specialized hardware. And that was that was built up and it was very expensive, really specific. And Unity has built an environment to actually take a lot of that work and run it inside of a Unity engine. Yeah. And there is there's another engine there's called the Epic, you know, Epic Games Unreal Engine. This is what we're talking about in terms of the duopoly. Sure. And um, you know, the Unity engine is incredibly popular. Um, just for perspective, if you tuned into the Apple event yesterday and they were talking about, you know, the new iPhone and just some ways that it could be like a gaming phone, do you know what the 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 new phones come pre-installed with JMO. Did you hear about this? Is is that the lidar you're talking about? Well, not the lidar, but there's a game that's pre-installed in the iPhones. Oh yeah, I, I saw. I'm not a big gamer, but I saw the name of it. I think what's it called? It's League of Legends. It's the that's latest. The yep. It's the latest League of Legends that is pre-installed here on the iPhone. So, what does League of League of Legends run on? It does run on the Unity game engine. Like it's built with the uh, with the Unity game engine. So there are a lot of these games, um, and there are other things, but let's just call this primarily a gaming company. When you're building out a game, you want to make it look realistic. You want it to be an immersive experience. You want it to have 3D characteristics. 
very often those game developers will work with the Unity game engine. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because it, it does, it seems like a time ago, like you said, this was a very specialized service that was, it, it, you know, it, it was difficult, it was expensive, it required a lot of equipment, and, and clearly technology, the internet, everything, we've, we've seen a lot of disruption here in the way we do things, and, and so Unity, uh, you know, obviously capitalizing on that advantage and, and really focusing on not only mobile with with phones and tablets but i mean it you know they're putting software out there for pcs for consoles i mean the immersive technology side with augmented virtual reality devices i mean this is a company that really seems to do uh, i don't want to say everything but it sure feels that way yeah and look i mean as we have more uh software for interacting with the world and more ways to interact with the world in software um and, and there are just a number of, of use cases here. Games are going to get more sophisticated. We're isolated right now, so we're gaming a lot more. So that means, <laughs> right? I mean, that does yeah. mean that, the, you know, these are, we're, we're going to have more interactive, more specialized games. The market for it is clearly growing. It's also a social platform. You know, our friend and colleague, John Rotati, really pounds the table on this idea that gaming is a social platform. Yeah. And, you know, it becomes more social when it looks more realistic and you can interact with your friends in real time. And so you need some of this technology. I'll just say one other thing here. To the degree that you can make the the digital environment more realistic, there are more things you can do. So prototyping is a really good example. Like you can build out some very realistic uh, models for prototyping in digital using something like uh, Unity. So they're trying to expand a little bit beyond where they've where they've been. But for sure, I mean, this is the demand for this is only increasing and it probably is going to increase exponentially. And there are some ways that Unity kind of wins in this area where its primary competitor, Epic, will not. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, in some of the interviews and the folks that I've spoken with throughout the throughout the uh, year and a half or so that we've had the augmented reality uh, and beyond service open, um, it, it became clear that while Unity was primarily known as a, a gaming engine, um, really it has become known more as a a creation engine because because to your point there it, it it does it does go beyond games i mean there are companies that are creating all sorts of different things with um with this engine and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh but before we do let's talk a little bit about how this company makes money you mentioned the create solutions and the operate uh, solutions there and it, you know i think the neat part about this business it gives you a couple of different ways it makes money through subscription and also through use through use case uh use usage-based business model. Right. And and so it does look like, I mean, you have the Operate Solutions, which essentially represents about 70% of total sales, whereas Create represents about 30% of total revenue. Um, what do you, talk a little bit about the difference between the two segments there. We, we dove into that a little bit in the intro here, but but it sure sounds like Create that sort of is is the obvious one there. It's it's for folks looking to create uh, with that platform, whereas operate maybe that's a little bit more of an ongoing uh, maintenance basis. Yeah. So the create solutions is if you are building something, whether it's games, whether it's it's some kind of app, you are going to buy 
uh, subscriptions. You're, primarily, these are subscriptions. Uh, you're going to buy access to different Unity games tools, and you're going to use those tools to build something, create, right? So yeah. create solutions. The operate solutions business, I looked at the 2019 numbers. I had it at 54% of revenue, but it does appear to be growing. And I think we should expect that that 70-30 a breakdown that you had, JMO. I think it's probably going to, and it may be 30, 60 with 10% from strategic partnerships, but overall, yeah. overall, I think Operate Solutions is going to be the vast majority of revenue moving forward. It may even get to like 80 or even 85% at some point. We don't know because yeah. there are three ways this company makes money. So the create is you buy access to the subscriptions, you buy, uh, you know, um, the, the ability to create inside Unity. Operate is a couple of things. One is I want to host my game in the Unity uh, platform and let it run there. I'm going to pay for the privilege of doing that. Another is um, I'm going to run on your platform and there's going to be some revenue share here. As I sell it, as people start accessing my game through the Unity marketplace, I'm going to share revenue with you. So that's another way that they earn money. And then the third is these strategic partnerships, which is on a particular device, uh, there's maybe, it, it may be optimized for the Unity game engine, and there's some one-time revenue that hits here. Also, it's very interesting that you can have some add-ons some little plugins to either your game or an environment or some other thing. And there's kind of this app store uh, that exists inside Unity. And when you're selling through there, uh, Unity gets a cut. Basically like the, <laughs> you know, wh who else does that sound like? That sounds like <laughs> Apple, a little bit. right? Yep. And so here was the thing I wanted to point out about Epic. And I like these, uh, the, these comments that we're, we're hearing for some, some folks who are tuning in with us in real time as we're recording this, JMO. We, we had Mike Migliori say there was a comment about uh, how Epic is a better experience, and then Musketeer Java saying that, uh, frankly, you know, it's a different market, and maybe there are some mobile games on the Unity game engine, but Unity may be made for kind of lots of volume, lots more games, and Epic may be operating at the higher end. Here's another big difference. Unity is not fighting with Apple. Yeah, <laughs> but that's e a really good... <laughs> I was going to say... But Epic is. No antitrust, e <laughs> no antitrust risk there, and, and no Apple wars, at least not yet, right? Right, right. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Like, what makes Unity so interesting to me is that Epic is fighting Apple because of this share inside the App Store, while Unity is actually printing money by having an App Store of its own. It's a very different environment. And I like that a lot. I think there's room for both of them. And both could very easily succeed. But, they're, but they are different companies, and I really want to point that out. Yeah, and I, I appreciate you doing that. I think that's important to note. And I, I really do like, because, you know, we talk about that, um, man, you know, wouldn't it be neat if there was like another app store where you didn't have to necessarily rely on like Google or Apple to be the gatekeeper, so to speak. And, and here you go with Unity kind of doing their own thing. And, and it, it certainly does, it does seem to be working. And, you know, the other thing when we talk about Epic's Unreal Engine, uh, I mean, we, we can't mention that without also noting the fact that Epic 
I mean, let's remember, Epic, there, there's about a 40% interest there. Tencent owns about 40% of, of Epic games, right? And so, I mean, that, that just goes to show you that with Epic, I mean, clearly they have a lot of resources at their disposal, given that ownership interest from Tencent, which I think, arguably, you could say that Tencent is the biggest gaming company in the world. Yeah, I, I, I think that's 100% right. And it, it is a really good way. So the ticker for, for Tencent is, uh, at least if you're going to buy it here in the U.S., on the, the pink sheets, it's T-C-E-H-Y. Yeah. So that's Tencent, Tencent Holdings. Um, and, and I can get that into the chat. Um, but I will, I will do that. So if you want a piece of Epic, you can get it. But you're going to get it through, through Tencent Holdings. Um, and, and buying both, I mean, maybe, I mean, J-Mo, you are the master of baskets. <laughs> so like, you know, this could be, a, it could be a really interesting basket, right? I think we could have a, we could have like an umbrella brand for these baskets and like duopoly baskets, right? And this duopoly could be, the first, <laughs> this could be yeah. the first duopoly basket. I actually like that idea a lot. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and to your point there, but both, both businesses witnessing a lot of success. And I found there's a data point here that I found in regard to unity that I thought was just really fascinating. And I think it really is a testament to the success that the business is having. And if you look at customers, that contribute greater than $100,000 in revenue annually. Uh, you go back to quarter one of 2018, that was 389. And, and as of uh, the second quarter of this year, that number is now 716. So that, I, th- I think, is just another metric. You know, we talk about metrics that matter, and that's certainly one that matters because it, it, it does show that they're doing something that their customers like and, and that customers are not only willing to sign up, but also willing to, to spend more with, with the company as, as that relationship evolves. Yeah, and they account, so that same cohort, um, they account for 74% of total revenue, all revenue, so those 716 customers, and they report in their prospectus that the gross retention rate on that customer base is 99%. So when wow. they commit to Unity, they stick. They, yeah. they, well, they stick around. That's and, and you know what? That makes sense. It does, and, and you know, I mean, that is... We talk about competitive advantages in, in sort of the signs that you're doing something right. And I mean, they're, they're, that that willingness, that loyalty, that that stickiness, right? I mean, that is a big deal because over time, I mean, those switching costs do start to grow over time. And when you get those switching costs, um, it, there's a little bit of pricing power that often can come with that. Um, but, you know, let's, let's talk about those customers for a little bit here because, I, I, you know, we talked about it at the very beginning of the show. This is primarily seen, I think, by a lot of folks as a gaming company. But if, if you just do a little research and you just go to the website, go to Unity's website and look at the actual um, the, the, the cross-section of customers that they cover. I mean, it's so far beyond games. I mean, they have case studies in architecture, engineering, construction, automotive, film, education. I mean, the list goes on. This really is, I mean, it, it spoke to me in that this is really a creation engine and not just a gaming engine anymore. Right. And I think, so all of those sectors that you just talked about, there is some degree of either planning, prototyping, some kind of structural analysis where I can take an element of the real world and I can stress test an idea inside of a digital environment. And Unity does that heavy lifting for me because it does such a good job because it is a 3D virtual environment. And, and an augmented reality environment that you can you can stress test 
you know, um, say like the structural integrity of a building looking at a certain design, for example, or stress test the, you know, the output of a certain engine or some kind of machine based on the factors that you're plugging into, the known factors that you're plugging into the Unity engine. It, it does, that is way cheaper than doing real world prototyping and actually you know, building out big models. So there, there's definitely something here. Um, and they're talking this up a lot. I mean, if you read their prospectus, they really are talking about it's, it's actually in John Riccatello's letter. And he talks about, you know, we were just a gaming company, but what we found is that the, the applicability of what we've built in Unity stretches way beyond gaming. And you know what? Simulating a an actual physical environment does have a lot of benefits for a lot of different industries. It does, and I'm glad you mentioned that word simulation because it, you know, we talk about the duopoly here, and I agree. I think to an extent it probably is. There is another business um, that that some listeners I'm sure will be familiar with because I've talked about it before. But it's it's a business that is very much in the simulation, uh, the simulation market. There, and it's a company called Ansys, um, one that I've followed for a while, one that I actually own shares in myself. It's it's just uh, done very well for a long period of time. And it, it it just it's because of that argument that you just made there. These these being able to, to simulate any type of environment, whether it's gaming or a building or an airplane, you save so much time and so much money, and you ultimately end up with a better um, end result, anyway. So, I, you know, maybe maybe Ansys is kind of an you know another another sort of player in this sandbox. Maybe not a direct competitor, so to speak, but certainly one benefiting from from that move to to simulation. And, and uh, I mean, look when you when you look at the actual numbers of, of people that are actually the people the number of people that unity is reaching i mean it, at the end of june this year they had a global reach of over 2 billion that's with a b monthly active end users i mean there are a lot of people you probably don't realize it but you're interacting with with a, a unity product and and i think you know you talked about the apple phone event here that just that just uh came out yesterday it it's worth noting i mean that that lidar that i spoke to i mean that's a key uh, point to the augmented reality functionality of those phones, and and so when you see more immersive technology coming into play in the devices that we own, that's just going to be more opportunity for a company like Unity to really continue to to grow that network of creators that that is already growing so quickly. I would say it it might even blow your hair back a little bit to hear that. <laughs> Uh, you know, a a Ansys is actually using Unity. Now, I don't know that that's true, but would it surprise you at all if they it were would using, not. It would using not. that engine to, it to power simulations? I it mean, absolutely it would, wouldn't. It, it, would make, it would make a lot of sense, in fact. Yeah, and you do see a lot of partnerships in this market. I mean, you see you see all sorts of partnerships with these with these companies, and and it's it's nice to see that you know because I think uh, like like most things when when we work together we tend to get better results and, and more people benefit. So uh, so yeah, that's that's a really good point. Um, you mentioned CEO John Riccatello, and I, and I want to talk a little bit about management here because one of the things that attracted me to to this business. And you know, it's it's not a reason to invest, mind you, but it is something that I think investors like to see. I know we certainly like to see it. Is that there is involvement there still with co-founders of the business? Mm -hmm. Right, and there, um, you you have to go searching for it because it looks like the two big co-founders, which are uh, Joaquim uh, Christoph Ante and uh, 
uh, oh gosh, I hope I'm I'm not going to butcher this, but it's uh, I think it's David Helgeson. Yeah, David uh, Helgeson, exactly. Dave. Okay, good. Um, yep. Helgeson is on the board, but these two combined, they actually made a. Uh, uh, they made a, an entity where they put their their combined shares that they uh, that they vote for unity into it's kind of a financial entity. It looks like they own zero shares. That right. is not true. Yeah, don't yeah. don't believe that. That's just a function <laughs> of SEC filings. They own roughly eleven percent of the business, and they have a lot of voting power in the business. And Helgeson is actually on the board of directors. So Riccatello has been with Unity for about six years. Prior to that, he had about six years at Electronic Arts. So he's been in the business. Um, but these co-founders are still around, and they're still overseeing the business. And more importantly, they got they got skin in the game, and that that matters. Yeah, and there is some VC interest there. But one point I noted in the S one that I thought was really encouraging at the end of at the end of June. Um, at the end of June 2020, when, when you base it on the IPO and the offering, the number of shares uh, that, were, that were being offered, it, it was it, the executive offer, officers, directors, uh, and greater than 5% shareholders in the aggregate own approximately 62% of the outstanding stock. So, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, to your point, there's, there's significant ownership there. Um, and, and, yeah, that, that, again, maybe not a reason to invest, but certainly something that works in the favor because, as, as we talked before, you know, that, that aligns their interests with ours uh, in, in most cases as, as, uh, as longer-term shareholders. And they certainly seem to be building this business with that mindset. One thing I want to mention very briefly before we move on here, because I think it's important, um, there were some some allegations of sexual misconduct, sexual assault, um, or, or something like that. I, I don't have the exact data here, but there were charges leveled against uh, Riccatello. Nothing's been proven here. Um, but there are some comments online. You should look them up if you're interested in investing in this business um, because we haven't really heard a resolution here. And so we, we don't know. And if that matters to you and it, it, there are good reasons for that to matter for sure, um, pay attention. Go take a look. We don't have anything definitive here yet, but it is out there. And so I just want to make sure that it is noted. We haven't really heard from women yet on, on this in a way that sort of has settled this case definitively. So just bear that in mind. Yep. Yep. Always, always uh, worth remembering. I mean, there, there are, there are risks, there are personal risks that come with, with, managers with leaders and Rick Tell has been a uh, CEO of this business since October of 2014 so clearly I mean he he has helped build this business to what it is today I I would not I wouldn't call this <laughs> I wouldn't call this the Buffett style ham sandwich business right I mean I don't no. think a ham sandwich could necessarily run this business by the same token it, it does it does look like they have a lot of talent there that would be able to keep this business moving forward and being successful if something came of this but but i think uh you know to the to the greater point there of culture you, you always have to keep that stuff in mind because you want to make sure that that there's a culture you know in the businesses that we invest in uh there, there's there's a culture that fosters inclusion and success and productivity and, and respect um and so yeah that's absolutely a headline worth keeping in mind and one that we'll we'll continue to follow to see if there's any any kind of resolution there uh tim we've talked a lot about this business we talked about the competitive land Landscape. Um, 
at the end of the day, I mean, do you, have you developed an opinion on this stock? Is this a company that you feel like belongs on people's radars? Do you feel like this is a business you want, you'd rather wait and see kind of how, how things progress? I mean, it just, it feels to me like this is a business that already, even though it's newly public, I mean, it still has a, a pretty respectable track record of success as a business. It does. And it's definitely worth, um, it's definitely worth a closer look in, in my opinion. I would say, um, you know, recognize that you're going to pay a premium for it. I mean, today, this is an unprofitable company that is trading for 39 times revenue. And its revenue growth rate is about 39%. So there are companies that are trading at that level that are growing much faster than Unity is. That's one of the downsides. So bear that in mind. Having said that, though, um, this is a company with scale with some advantages. So we talked a little bit about that operate solutions business. As that operate solution, that is an unbounded opportunity. As gaming grows, that, that segment will grow and it will come to dominate probably a greater share of the overall revenue pie. So there's some upside there. And just for perspective, from 2018 to 2019, that segment grew 59%. It is wow. still an, an incredible growth story there. So it's priced at a premium. Is it worth taking a look at? Yeah, no doubt. It's probably not going to be cash flow positive very soon, uh, but it does have a decent balance sheet just by virtue of going public. And there's some optionality in the business. And by virtue of its competitive advantages, the fact that it has roughly a dual op a duopoly here, it's unlikely to be dramatically disrupted anytime soon. So that's worth a little too. So I would say for me personally, JMO, I would go, um, if I were to invest in this business and I haven't shut up about it, so the odds of me putting <laughs> real skin in the game- It'll is, be a is, while. Yeah, it's very <laughs> unlikely. So don't read anything into that. If I don't buy shares, it, it means that I, I probably just am-, am you know, just stopped out of it. I just can't. We have um, trading guidelines that we all have to adhere to. And that's, yeah. that's something we, uh, you know, make sure that the listeners and everyone do, they, they, they do know that. I mean, we do have trading guidelines where, I mean, these companies we talk about, we can't just go buy and sell whenever we want. We have to be, uh, you know, time has to, has to uh, pass by before we can, uh, you know, make purchases or sales based on the companies that we're talking about. Right. So, um, but if I did have the option today, um, I would be the kind of judicious buyer that'd be like, all right, I'll buy two to five shares here. Like I would not make a big bet on it. I would make a very, very small bet and say like, all right, this is interesting to me. There's clearly optionality here. The moat is big enough that it's unlikely to be, you know, to put my capital at a risk of permanent loss. I'm willing to make a very small bet. That's kind of where I land on this stock. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I mean, it is, it, it, obviously, valuation being one of the bigger risks, and, and that's for a number of different reasons. But but for all of the points that you just mentioned, I mean, the fact that you know they, they look at a total market opportunity today somewhere in the thirty billion dollar range, all in, right? Not just gaming, but all of those different markets. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna 
chalk up about $750 million in revenue this year for 2020. So, I mean, that just gives you an idea of, of what the company's making versus the opportunity that exists out there. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I mean, this is a wonderful time to be an investor for so many reasons. Um, you know, <laughs> one of those reasons being that commission costs have essentially disappeared, which means you can invest 100%. in drips and drabs and, and take advantage of that when you can, because that, that I, I agree with you. That's, this strikes me as that type of a business. And so, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yep, I hundred percent. You know, kind of to put a bow on on Unity here. Um, this is one we're taking a look kind of from the bottom up here. I think the one thing that's that's not in dispute, and with a company like this, um, when you're doing stock from scratch, bottom up analysis, one of the places you want to start is like, does this solve a migraine level problem? You know, <laughs> yeah. like a migraine level problem where people are willing it. to pay up. And the answer is, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, there is a lot of proof that they are absolutely doing that. And that's a great place to start. Like, if you can answer that definitively, you've got a place to go with a technology company. If you can't, you know, you want to be real careful. Well, there you go. Tim Byers, thanks so much for joining us this week. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us this week. Remember, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MFIndustryFocus, or you can drop us an email at IndustryFocus at Fool.com. You have an opinion on Unity? Hey, let us know. We'd love to hear it. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, to Tim Sparks for putting the show together. For Tim Byers, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. 